Kenneth Whitfield. I was actually once a, um, a pastoral intern here several years ago. Um, that, was pro- that was a little over a decade ago. That's crazy to think about. Um, so I, my, my wife and I are um, my family. We are members at Grace Baptist Church just on the other side. We've been there for about the last five years, almost to the month, and so th- this is a, I, I find it a bit providential that I do have the opportunity to, to preach the word here this morning because this, this month, if my math is correct, I, I didn't study mathematics, but if I'm right, this, this month makes 10 years since the replant um, of Grace Baptist Church. And so 10 years ago this month, this congregation sent a pastor as well as 60 other members to, um, to reinvigorate God's presence in the church. It, ha- it has happened. It's beautiful that I'm even, I, I, I want to say proof of the investment that you all made, the fact that I'm able to come here this morning and deliver the word of God. Uh, Byron as leader of that congregation, something called a pastor program, and there are two people in this room right now <laughs> able to benefit myself being one of them and Shane being the other. So I want to thank you. thank you for your investment in this ministry uh, because I am a direct beneficiary of your faithfulness, of your love, and of your giving. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, last Sunday, Grace Baptist, just to kind of give you an update, Grace Baptist called another of their pastors in training, Norman Elrod, to be the pastor. Um, and it was a beautiful service because we were able in that same service, this doesn't happen much in Baptist churches, but in that same service, Byron was able to pass the baton off to Norman. And that's, that is not the Norman Baptist, in Baptist churches. Many times uh, one pastor is run off and, or, or he just leaves and uh, another is able to take their place. And so it was, uh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful that the baton was passed off. And so, I, again, I just cross point and want to say thank you. Thank you. Your investment in that ministry was an investment in me that I benefited from greatly. Um, this morning, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to start off in verse 20. Verse 20 through 30 of Matthew. I, I normally do message translation to I'm going to today because I think the is so impactful. Personally, and I think everyone here. Verse 20, it says, Next, Jesus fly on the cities where he the hardest, but whose people had responded the least. These are Israelites, by the way. Shrugging their shoulders and going their own way. Chorazin, Doom Bethsaida, Tyre and Sidon, half the powerful miracles you had seen minute. At Judgment Day, they'll get off easy compared to you. And Capernaum, peacock strutting, you are going to end up in the abyss. If the people of Saddam had had your chances, the city would still be around. At Judgment Day, they'll get off easy compared to you. 
At that moment, Jesus abruptly broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over with it line by line, anyone willing to listen. Verse 28. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this beautiful morning that we have together. Not only physically in your creation, Father, but a day that we can gather together and we can worship you. We can love. We can praise. We can learn to be still for a few minutes out of the chaos of our busy lives. Like dirty water that is settling to the surface so that clarity can resume, Father. That is what we're doing right now. Help us to trust you. Help us to give ourselves over to you. Help us to learn the unforced rhythms of grace that you are offering to us. Help us to recognize, Father, the secret sins that so easily entangle us so that we can learn to set them aside and walk peaceably with our Creator and with our fellow man. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This is one of those passages that the more I reflect on it, the, the harder it hits me personally. Because Jesus is speaking here at the beginning of this passage to other cities that he's gone to, other cities within the land of Israel. He has gone to them. He has done a lot of miracles. He has been preaching the word of God to these people, and yet they have not begun to repent of their sins. And this church hits me very hard, again, personally, because these are Israelites. These are the people of God. These are the people who have been given the promises. They have been taught about the God of the Exodus. They have been taught about the God of the wilderness. They have been taught about the God who led the people of Israel into the land of Canaan and gave them a place so that they could be planted, so that they could learn to flourish, so that they could learn to walk with the God of creation. And not only that, but so that they could show others how to do the same thing. Because they're others how relationship with the creator of the universe. Yet what we find here chapter 11 and all throughout the Gospels for them, is that the Creator has come has attempted to shine a light into their very lives and yet that light 
this is heavy. (laughs) This is heavy for me personally. If the Israelites miss it, if the very people who are given the promises of God are missing it, I think that means that we as the church can too. I think that means that the very God who has saved us from our sins could be doing a work in the midst of our own lives, and yet we can be missing it. Notice there, again, this is the message translation, but notice there in verse, verses 25 through 26 that Jesus is saying, you've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls. Okay? He is, he is hitting hard at the religious elite right here in this passage who spend their lives studying the seeking to learn wisdom, seeking to know what are the ways of God? How do we best follow the ways of God? What is the wisdom of God? When is the Messiah going to come? What is the Messiah going to look like when he does come? These are the questions that they ask all the time. And now, the very one they sought to know the best is sitting right in front of them and they're missing it. Because the God that they think they know is not who has come to them. What they have done, church, is created an idol for themselves. And because that idol does not wrap up to the real creator, they're going to end up crucifying him. They're missing it. And Jesus recognizes this. This is why he begins to go into this famous passage in verses 28 through 30. And this is the passage that in many of your translations, you know, Jesus is asking them, take my yoke upon you. For it's easy and light. And so the, the big question that I want us myself included, to reflect on this morning, church, is what yoke are we currently carrying? In the first century, the yoke would have been a a way of life that the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day, would have called their disciples to carry. They referred to it as the yoke of the Torah. And so it's, it's their understanding of how to go about living the God life, so to speak. And so Jesus, Jesus is challenging that. He's challenging that. He's pointing it out that the yoke that you are currently wearing is, is wearing, <laughs> is burdensome. The yoke that you are currently wearing, Israelites, and to us, church, is preventing us many times from actually walking in the ways of God. The yoke that our culture places upon us. I think a lot of times we want to see American culture as one that is ordained and flowing from the throne of God itself. (laughs) That's not the case, church. Donald Trump is not the Messiah, neither is Joe Biden. And they are not going to institute the kingdom of God. That is for Christ and Christ alone to institute. 
So the work for us today, church, is to answer the question, what yoke have we willingly or unknowingly taken upon? What is that yoke? What is it in our lives, whether it's the pressure from the culture or whether it's sin within our own hearts that is preventing us from receiving this yoke of Christ that is easy and light? Are you in here today and you're recognizing that the people in your lives around you just simply won't live the way that you need them to so that you can be okay? Is that the yoke that you carry? Are you working your hands to the bone trying to care for others so desperately that you are not cared for yourself? Is that the yoke that you're carrying? Do you lie to yourself? Putting on a false persona? Wanting people to see you a certain way? so that you can appear successful in the eyes of others? Is that the yoke that you carry? Do you compare yourself to others and see yourself lacking constantly and saying, if I can only be like that person, then I would be okay. And not only that, maybe God will be okay with me. Is that the yoke that you carry? Are you greedy? Hoarding your time, energy, and resources. Fearing that you will never have enough. Is that the yoke that you carry? Are you filled with so much fear? Not trusting that God is enough for you, will care for you, and protect you. That you reach out to the government, to police officers, to spiritual structures, to care for you because you just simply cannot trust God to do it? Is that the yoke that you carry? Are you gluttonous? Are you lustful? Are you falling asleep to the needs of your own spirit? What yoke do you carry, church? What yoke do you carry, individuals, that prevents you fully from embracing You know, I think a lot of times we focus so much on the justification that brings to us and what is that he pays the penalty for our sins so that we are we should focus on that. <laughs> we should focus on that. We should focus on on a daily basis and praise God for him offering the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Yes, we should. But I think a lot of times that we miss the fact that when Jesus came into the world, he was offering forgiveness of sin, teaching us how to become the mark on how to be human. We focus so much on our government, on wealth, on people pleasing to satisfy the deepest needs of our hearts that we don't recognize that Jesus is freeing us from all of that teaching us out how to live. That's why he says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Watch how our goal is just to get as far as 
goal is to become little Christians. That we literally live how Jesus lives. His death and resurrection does not just free us from our sins so that we can spend eternity in a new creation one day. His death and resurrection of our sins today so that we can begin our eternal lives today in freedom. So church, what individuals, what is the sin that clings to you so closely that prevents you from walking in the freedom that Jesus is modeling for us? Offering to us? Is it your debt? Physically, spiritually? Is it the images that you look at on a screen in privacy? Is it the chemicals that you place into your body? What's keeping you imprisoned? In order for us to be free, we must first be self-aware. If we that we need freedom. We and this is why Jesus is so powerfully offering this freedom, this yoke, this easy yoke to people who recognize they need it. That's who, he, that's who he says the question to. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? He's offering this to people who recognize I've been living my life. It may have worked for but it's not anymore. It's not working. If you're having anxiety attacks, panic attacks, and having to go to coping mechanisms just so that you can get through the day, it may be that your way of life is not working for you. It may be that my way of life is not working for me. Church, what I'm calling us to today, what I'm calling myself to is a healthy self-reflection that leads to repentance. And in order to do this, you might need the help of someone else. You might need to schedule a meeting with a counselor. I would encourage a Christian counselor. You might need to schedule a meeting with a pastor who can help you work through some of these things. Because what I've learned about sin is that it's subtle and it's secretive. I think few people rarely blatantly walk in evil. It's usually captured us somehow. In order for us to be able to take off the burdens, to take off the yoke of our culture, to take off the yoke of sin that we carry, we usually almost always need the help of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I want to challenge each and every one of us to seek out those brothers and sisters in Christ today. Today. Because Jesus offers us this freedom today. I want to pray for us. And as we continue to worship, as we continue to reflect, Let's remember that Jesus does not show us our sin simply so that we can live in guilt. He shows us our sin so that we can embrace his freedom. Let's pray.
Christ, I thank you for this day that you've given to us. I thank you for the love that you pour forth towards us so that we can have so that we can be rescued so that we can be saved saved from the burdens that we place upon ourselves and maybe that we even unknowingly accept from others help us Christ help us help us to recognize that we are poor and needy even if we don't see it right now thank you Christ for loving us enough to come into this world to meet us where we are right now And help us, teach us to walk forward in holiness and love. It's in your name we pray, O Christ. Amen.